In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 73rd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Today we're going to have Julio Jones tell us what he thinks about OBJ's new contract. But like the TV people do, we're going to tease to that now and have that for you at the end. We're going to open with offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. That's very important for the Falcons. Can they get the offense back up to at least in the top half of the league uh, in scoring? You know, we had a, a study in the AJC special section. The time is now where... 35 of the 52 Super Bowl winners had a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense scoring. And uh, the Falcons uh, need to be in that in that, that group or that statistical ranking uh, to give us some indicators that they are a Super Bowl caliber team. So we'll talk to offensive coordinator. A lot of red zone involved in that there. We'll look at the Eagles series. The Falcons will go there for Thursday night to kick off the 99th NFL season with two teams that uh, represented the NFC in the last two Super Bowls. Then uh, we'll hear from Deontay Burton, the uh, converted cornerback who was promoted to the uh, roster yesterday. Kind of good, good uh, kid to talk to and um, well-spoken kid, former all-academic Big 12 out of Kansas State. Fourth, we'll look at some of Julio's numbers and the class that he's keeping uh, going into his uh, you know, next season here. And we'll talk about Grady Jarrett's uh, contract situation being put on hold before finishing with the exclusive audio with Julio talking about OBJ's deal and his uh, social media cleanse. We never heard from him about that. And uh, so he shares some of uh, his thoughts about some of the you know stuff that was going on with him over the offseason. But hey, let's get right to Steve Sarkeesian here in the 73rd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Coach, how's it going? Uh, offense ready to take the field for the first time here in 2018. Well, I think we're all really excited. You know, it's been a very good offseason. It's been a very good training camp. And obviously we played the preseason, uh, you know, a few drives here and there. And obviously without Julio, without Devontae. So to have the whole unit go take the field together for a whole game, I think we're all, we're all really excited and, and uh, see all the hard work that we've put in and areas of emphasis uh, come to life. How tough is that? I mean, it's different to not uh, use your weapons at all in the exhibition season, but how are you coaches satisfied with you know the preparation of, that they'll be ready to go uh, at game time? Well, the preparation's been very good. You know, obviously, you know, you know, our focus has been on really owning our plan, owning the details of our plan, and then ultimately going out and executing those things at a high level. Um, you know, it goes without saying, both teams are going to be excited, both teams are going to be emotionally fired up and ready to play. So, you know, the, the key for us is to be on our details, owning the plan, and then ultimately execute. 
you feel your new wrinkles are uh, ready to uh, explode and help you all out in uh, various ways and in the red zone? Well, I think so. You know, I mean, you know, we put in a lot of time uh, assessing who we are and what we're about, how we can improve who we are, and then you devise a plan to, to implement some things, and then you have to bring them to life on the practice field, and you have to put in the work, and sometimes things might fail the first couple of times, and then you continue to work on them, and they get better, and the execution improves, and the trust with the quarterback and the receiver, the runner and the line, and so when you when you develop those things over months of time, and now here comes week one, uh, for me, it's, it's more about, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these things come to life, because we've put in a lot of time, and uh, I'm looking forward to these guys going out and executing the plan. There's Steve Sarkeesian, the Falcons' offensive coordinator, who will be calling plays from the field on Thursday night in Philadelphia. Number two, the Falcons and the Eagles. This will be the 31st meeting, if I'm adding correctly, in the regular season. The Eagles lead the series 16, 13, and 1. I don't have the, uh, you know, the playoff history is not very good either. I remember two seasons ending up in Philadelphia going back to 05 when uh, Jim Moore and Michael Vick went up there in a snowstorm. Just utterly cold day. We had a tough time getting there. Planes were getting canceled out of Atlanta. Uh, we flew into D.C., then caught a train up to Philly, and then took a cab to the hotel. But, yeah, it was quite the trip in 05. But you knew the Falcons wasn't going to be in that game early after Brian Dawkins laid a big hit on Algie Crumpler. And uh, Michael Vick just didn't want to function or could not function or was telegraphing too much action in that game. And the Eagles went on and uh, went to the Super Bowl. Then, of course, last year, uh, you know, the Falcons ended up there on the two-yard line. But it'll be different this time. You got, uh, you know, the Falcons played them in the regular season in 2016. They lost up there that year. The Eagles try to run the ball down your throat, and they're going to have to do that uh, on Thursday night because all of the two of their receivers are out. Alshon Jeffrey and Matt Collins. They do have Zach Gertz, the big tight end, and uh, Nelson Aguilar, the slot receiver. But I fully expect them to try to run the ball down the Falcons' throat. Jason Peters is back. The uh, nine-time Pro Bowler is back at left tackle. And Lane Johnson will be over at right tackle. You know, that's a heck of a debut for Tack McKinley to, to go out there against Jason Peter and, uh, you know, start his career as a starter off and against such a great established player who's 36 years old. But also for the Falcons, their line's going to be different than the last meeting, too. You got Brandon Fusco at right guard, and you have Andy Levitre at left guard. Both of those guys were not available. Of course, Fusco was with the 49ers last year, but uh, uh, Andy was hurt, and he started. The Falcons started Wes Schweitzer at right guard and Ben Garland at left guard in the playoffs last season. So, you know, and they couldn't run the ball up the middle. Ryan didn't have that much time. They were tossed it out but you know they held up still on the two yard line in a 15 to 10 game so they didn't play uh that bad but the uh preferred starters will be going Andy Levitre and the new guy Brandon Fusco along with Alex Mack will have a handful up front with Haluti Nada and of course the great Fletcher Cox so you know watch the trenches in this game that's going to be very very important in this one 
you know, the Eagles have some good rush ins too. Brandon Graham's outside. Uh, certainly in uh, a Barnett, the Barnett kid that played at Tennessee. So they definitely have some, some football players. Let's hear from Deontay Burton, who got called up from the practice squad yesterday. Uh, kid was a wide receiver at West, at a, at uh, Kansas State, and uh, the Falcons converted him to cornerback, and we'll see, uh, you know, if they use him. Maybe Isaiah L. Oliver's on the injury report with the ankle. Maybe you can uh, get the burden some action here against the uh, Eagles' core that's, you know, somewhat damaged with the injuries. Uh-huh. Those two, you know, are huge uh, for them to even want to take on that kind of a challenge to flip a guy this, this late in a career is, you know, a blessing. So I really owe a lot to them just, you know, at least even taking the honor to flip me over and, and help me like that. So what's the key, uh, what was the biggest part of the transition from wide receiver to cornerback? Just trusting that, that it's going to be a process and there's going to be trials and tribulations. There's going to be good days and bad days with it. But these guys are all, you know, really good and they're real helpful. You know, the whole team, the whole staff. And so I think having them there to, to kind of bring me along on, on days when I was down and, and not making the kind of progress I wanted to make and mm-hmm. having them there even on days when I was doing well to keep encouraging me to keep going, that, that's really helpful. I think that's what makes the switch much easier. Did they tell you today um, and uh, what was your reaction when they, when they told you you were getting uh, it? Was, it was definitely cool. You know, um, Q kind of let me know that uh, I, would, I would be on the active roster and that he was going to keep me. So that was cool. I mean... Uh, he talked to me yesterday a little bit, so I got a chance to like, call my mom and let her know. Um, so that was nice, but it was definitely a good experience to kind of, you know, see all your hard work, kind of take a next step. You, know, you see a little light, so that's always nice. Thanks, Jim. Thanks. Deontay Burton, he said, you see a little light. That's always nice. So I'm uh, I'm thinking he's going to play uh, against the Eagles and a uh, fine young man there. I knew when he signed, uh, Keith Armstrong said he was one of the players to watch. He thought he could help on special teams, and um, they moved him over. After he played the 2017 exhibition season as a wide receiver, uh, at the end of that, they liked him as an athlete enough to move him on over to defense, and uh, that's where he ended up. Now we uh, we got the you know Grady Jarrett's contracts on hold, which is you know that's how the Falcons operate. Once the season gets here, they they don't uh, you know do contracts until later in the season. But, you know, the numbers that went out to the defensive stars last week, we need to look at those. Uh, you know, Grady's a fine football player, but uh, Aaron Donald's a three-time pro bowler, and Khalil Max a two-time, I mean, three-time all-pro. Three-time all-pro. There's a difference. My football people know the difference between all-pro and pro bowl. And Khalil Mack, uh, two-time all pro. Both guys right at 40 sacks after four years. 2014, greatest 2015 guy. Donald, six years, 135 with 87 million guaranteed. And then Khalil Mack, six years for 141 after being traded by the Oakland Raiders to the Chicago Bears. So, just some benchmark numbers as the Falcons get into, uh, you know, negotiations or revisit them later in the season with Grady Jarrett and his representatives, the fine Todd friends of Atlanta and CAA.
Now we're going to slide into some Julio Jones, and uh, he's also up for a contract extension here. And, man, I don't know what that's going to look like uh, with these um, defenders getting 141, 135. I got to go look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers and 150 for Matt Ryan. So what do you pay Julio if you think he could play six more years? And he said he's in the best health that he could possibly be in. Is he the first $200 million man in the league? I don't know. We'll look at that. But we do know this. There's only been a few receivers who's done what he has over the last four years, and that's with 80 receptions and 1,000 yards receiving. Only one person has done that six consecutive years, and that's the great Jerry Rice. Right now, as it stands, Julio is tied with Larry Fitzgerald, the great Marvin Harrison, Andre Johnson, and... uh. Ooh, can't read my own writing here. That's one more here. Oh, Antonio Brown, the great Antonio Brown. The pen went in and out on me there. So those guys have all had four consecutive 80 yard, 80 receptions and 1,000 yards receiving. Fitzgerald, Andre Johnson, Marvin Harris, Antonio Brown, and Julio Jones. The great Jerry Rice did that for six years over his career. But, yeah, we talked to Julio. We got him off to the side to try to get to some of the the bottom of some of his issues. Um, You know, we uh, uh, generally, you know, have our sidebars. And uh, I, I was mad at Julio for not calling and keeping us abreast about what was going on this summer, but he said he wasn't listening to anybody and he just was off on his own uh, trying to get ready for the season. So we're doubling back on a few things, including OBJ's contract. Here's Julio Jones. Right here with Julio Jones for the uh, 73rd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Just want to ask you uh, how are things going uh, You know, with y'all getting ready to open the season on Thursday. Oh, it's going great. Um, guys are confident. Um, we're flying around. We've got our guys healthy right now at this point. And that's one of the biggest things, especially in football. you got to have your guys healthy. A red zone, just uh, how's that going to be different for you all this year? Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's nothing more so difficult. We just got a lot more little things, a lot more little things, you know, we're going to do down there and, um, than we had in the past. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, they didn't ask you, but, you know, you saw the OBJ contract last year. Did, I have that? Did you pay a note of that or how do you compartmentalize that? What did you get? Uh, 95. God dang! <laughs> 65. Huh? Yeah. Wow, good for him. Uh-huh. Good for him, man. I'm, I'm very excited for him. He, he deserves it. He's very deserving of it. Um, but for me, man, just 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 go out there and play ball, and you know, at the end of the day, put your numbers up, and 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 you know, everything. just see see what happens. Everything else take care of itself. Okay. And then did nobody ask you about the social media cleanse uh, over the offseason? You had so much. Yeah, I don't know why, I pick, but I do that. I do that every year, though. See, uh-huh. people don't pay attention to you until when something is going on. I think. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. They always assume. I had. You know, I post Alabama stuff throughout the year when they play. Mm-hmm. I didn't have no Alabama stuff on my page, but I was yeah, I was at Alabama training. Right. Nobody at once picked up on that and said nothing about, oh, I don't mess with Alabama. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So you just kind of let people just, um, you know, think what they want to think because you don't want to keep going back and forth and stuff like that. But no, nah, it was it was never nothing against the Falcons or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things. Like, I do it all the time, mm-hmm. every couple years or every year. Okay. All right, Julio, thanks a lot, man. Thank Appreciate you. it. Yes, sir. Thank <laughs> you.
There's Julio Jones clearing it up. He was, uh, I know he was messing with me over the OBJ thing. He's like, woo, 95. So he knows that, uh, he keeps playing that the, uh, Falcons will, uh, you know, take care of him. They've already, uh, said they'll do so at the end of the season here. Uh, but he was excited to hear those numbers about OBJ and he congratulated him on his new deal. So with that, we're going to wrap up the 73rd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast and get ready to get up to Philadelphia for the season opener on Thursday night at 820 at Lincoln Financial Field. This team is um, ready to go. Uh, I don't know how you do that uh, with the... Um, you know, sitting 44% of your offense uh, during the exhibition season. Julio and Freeman didn't play at all. They accounted for 44% of the yards uh, last season. But, hey, they're they're going up there and they're going to face the Super Bowl champions. They're going to be laying the banner out. I don't know if they're doing the ring ceremony. It's going to be uh, pretty fabulous. And, uh, you know, it's a heck of a way to open the season. And the Falcons appear ready, uh, according to all accounts to go up there and uh, go after the Super Bowl champions. So, with that, we're going to close the 73rd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. You all take care and enjoy the game and go to AJC.com for your uh, after the uh, game reports and uh, the report card. We're going to push that back a little bit. We don't like the immediate one. We like the one where we get to go in depth a little bit and look at some stuff again. But yeah, come to AJC.com. Myself and Steve Hummer will be on the scene for you uh, in Philadelphia to report on this game. Take care and have a great rest of the week and enjoy the game. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.